Brothers and sisters, good afternoon. God bless you. Glory and praise to the God of heaven. The day has come, brothers and sisters. We're all happy, right? Full of joy. All right, brothers and sisters. It's a great joy to have with us today our sister Mary Luisa and all the brothers and sisters that are accompanying her and all the brothers and sisters from each church, such as the pastors. The honor and glory be to our God for all this. Each time we come to a Bible study, that power falls upon us. That nourishment that we require and that light that's necessary for us to not get lost. Because through the teachings that God gives us through His daughter, our beloved sister Mary Luisa, we find that joy and refreshment. And what a joy it is, brothers and sisters, to say that we have her here in person, we have her here so that we may enjoy everything and be very attentive as to what our sister is going to teach us. A warm welcome, Sister Mary Lisa. A round of applause for our sister, brothers and sisters. Good evening. May the Lord bless you. My beloved brothers and sisters here in Guadalajara, Mexico. We want to greet as well with a warm embrace all of the brothers and sisters, all of those persons, all of those that will watch the video, people from many nations, so a greeting to you all, that the Lord sees us all, sees us and knows the intention of the heart, each one. And in this way, the Lord will proceed and work in us all and will bless us all. So an applause for you all from the Church of Guadalajara, Mexico. So with great joy, let us honor our Lord with the Bible study. And we are now studying the Psalms, which are prayers. They are songs inspired by God, spiritual songs. They are prophecies. The Psalms, aside from being a song, it is a prophecy. The Lord used King David and others that sang to sing all of these prophecies. And in these prophecies, it speaks mainly of our Lord Jesus Christ and his church. So when now we reflect upon Psalm number five, we are going to be seeing and learning in which way or in which moment the Lord speaks. The Lord Jesus speaks of his church or the father. And in this way, we are going to fall more in love with the book of Psalms. We're going to learn to pray to our Lord as well. 
For in the Psalms, aside from being prophecies and a song, as well, there are prayers and the plea that the Lord made to the Father. There we are going to learn many things. We shall learn to sing and learn to pray. And how great that as well, many persons rise up to compose melodies from these songs that I know this will occur. The Lord will be placing persons that have that capacity to place melodies to these psalms. And not only can we read them and speak of them, but sing them. For it is marvelous to honor our Lord. And it so reads, Psalm 5. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Someone is saying this. Someone is saying to the Lord, Consider my words and my meditation. And it says that it was King David. King David spoke or prophesied, but it was not he who was asking of the Lord, but it was the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus was asking to the Heavenly Father to help him, for he was suffering and perishing the persecution the anguish from the people of Israel, of his own brothers, those that persecuted him, even to put him to death. And meanwhile, he suffered this persecution from the devil. This is why he suffered. And he asked the father to help him. And he moved the mouth of King David to give this prophecy sung, this psalm. Verse 2 reads, Give heed, he says, the Lord Jesus, to the Father. He says, give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for to you I will pray. Verse 3, my voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. When he says that in the morning I will direct it to you, presenting himself to the Father, what he wants to say is that the first place he gives to the Heavenly Father, the first place is for the Lord. And this is why in the morning, but that does not mean the time, our time frame, meaning that we have to wake up at three in the morning or four in the morning to pray. No, but that the first place is for the Lord. When you are going to do a task or a job, when you begin an activity in your life, in your daily life, the first thing is to present yourself before the Lord to thank Him for waking up alive and for having your health or the capacity for doing those activities. So the Lord first. When you have a tribulation or a difficulty or a bad day, the first thing you need to do is kneel down and pray to the Lord and place before him your needs or the tribulation or your problem. This we call in the morning, I will direct it to you. In the morning, I will call and pray to you. It is this, place first the Lord place everything before him and not feel anguish because many bad things happen in our life and there you are anguished and you go to your family or your neighbors your friends to share with them the problem to tell them look at what is happening what do you advise help me tell me what do I do this is what you do instead of first kneeling down and telling the Lord this is why it says 
My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up the Lord first. When you are threatened, for example, or you are going to be robbed or someone's going to hurt you or someone's going to do something bad against you or someone you're at gunpoint in that moment god lord will guard me lord will make me invisible the lord will protect me the lord is not going to allow anything to happen to me this is where when it says the first thing is the lord in the morning you will hear my voice In the morning, I will direct it to you, and I will look up. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. You shall evil dwell with you, nor shall evil dwell with you. Always the Psalms highlights that wickedness will never be close to God, or the Lord will never be close to the people who do what is wrong. The Lord sees them. The Lord sees the people when they do things. He sees those that are evil. He sees the sin of those that do wickedness. But the Lord is never close to them to aid them, to bless them, to help them. The Lord is close to he who trusts in him, who does the will of God, or who wants to be willing for the Lord. God is so close. This is why we do not lose trust. Do not not have trust in the Lord believe that God is so close and that he hears us and he is going to bless us. It continues verse five. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. The father is saying, you hate all workers of iniquity. Read verse six. But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In fear of you, I worship toward your holy temple. Continue. Many enemies the Lord had. Many enemies he had during his entire stay. Not only the three years did he preach the gospel, but during his youth or his childhood, he as well had many enemies. The devil always persecuted him to harm him, for the devil knew who he was, so he always persecuted him. Verse 9, for there is no faithfulness in their mouth, their the enemies, their inward part is destruction. Their throat is an open tomb. Their flattery with their, they flatter with their tongue. Continue. Here we see perfectly well when the Lord Jesus Christ was preaching the gospel how the Pharisees rose against him, the Sadducees, how they were these groups of the Jews, and the Sadducees taught they were the masters of the law of Moses, those who said they taught the word of the Lord, who said they knew much, and that they knew greatly of the path of the Lord. And they were the enemies, the main enemies of the Lord Jesus. 
And they began to speak blasphemy and speak against him and slander against him. And the blasphemy they spoke against the Lord. This is why he said that all sin of man would be forgiven except the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And during that time, these Jews, these Pharisees, said that the Lord Jesus was demon-possessed, that he had the power of the devil to cast them out, that it was a lie, that he was not the Son of God, that he was not of God. All of this slander the Lord Jesus heard, and this is why he said that that sin would not be forgiven. And since that sin was not forgiven by God, the Lord Jesus says to the Father to punish those who speak blasphemy, those enemies of God, those that rose up to put down Christ, to put down the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is why he says, punish them, O Lord. Cast them out into a multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against you. This is why the Lord is asking punishment for these persons, for they spoke blasphemy. They have no forgiveness from God. For there are those that read this and say, what do you mean if the Lord teaches us that we not be vengeful, that we do not want bad against anyone? Why here is he desiring bad against someone? It is for that reason. For they went against God. They were enemies of the Lord. The Lord was not going to forgive them. They persecuted the Lord Jesus, and this is why the Lord says to the Father to punish them and to cast them out of his presence. So that we are clear here that the Lord is not a contradiction in his teaching, nor does he contradict what he teaches us when he tells us that we not seek revenge against anyone, but that the Lord who will revenge us, avenge us, he will act. If someone harms us or hurts us, the Lord charges that person. We do not need to charge anyone. The Lord is who is in charge of charging the evil that is done against us. Very well. Continue with verse 11. So here... The Lord, as in verse 10, says to punish them, to cast them out, those that persecuted and slandered against the Lord. Now in verse 11, but those that trust in you, believe in you, those that search for you, today, yes, bless them. To them, defend them, it says, and that they rejoice in your name. This is this. Those that love the Lord, the Lord Jesus asks blessings for them. Those that love our Lord ask that blessing. And I think the Father did hear our Lord to bless us. Verse 12, for you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. It says, for you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor, you will surround him as with a shield. So the Lord will be a shield around around us, those of us whom love the Lord, and we make that effort to do His will because the Lord is pleased with our actions, that He be pleased with what we do. And may the Lord help us to continue forward 
being able to interpret these marvelous verses. And after we interpret the Psalms, we are going to be closer to the Lord and we're going to learn to pray for look that these Psalms are songs, they're prayers, they're prophecies. How are we not going to learn to express ourselves before our Lord in our prayers if we are going to be memorizing and taking the Psalms to the depth of our heart? Very well, in the reflection of the Lord. Very well, brothers and sisters. Let us now continue with a few questions, your questions from the Bible studies that you see, what you have read in the Bible, what the people ask you, what you yourself ask yourself, what you say, I'm not clear about this, I'm confused. So here we are now to analyze and as well, we please our Lord for we are speaking of this supreme being that governs us, of the creator of the universe, of the owner of our lives, of our creator. Very well, let us begin. Good evening, sister. I have found many places where our Lord Jesus Christ, when he would admonish the people, he would say, for example, in Matthew 18, where he would say that it was better if they sinned with their hand to cut their hand and that way they won't end up in the everlasting fire. In many parts of the Bible, it speaks about this everlasting fire, and I have two questions about it. The first is, what is this punishment? How is this punishment since when we leave this earth, we will no longer have our physical bodies? And what is this torment? Because many people believe that when we die, the torment is being far away from God. But many people are already far away from God. Many people, even people say that Mm -hmm. hell is earth but the Lord says no there's going to be a torment after for those who don't look mm -hmm. for him who don't love him who don't follow yes. him what is this torment yes so the sister asks what is the torment if supposedly it is our flesh our body or the matter that suffers that feels the pain do you think is it what do you think is our soul our conscience our spirit is it that they don't feel pain aside from the physical? Because there are many people who become sick from depression. That is a mental illness, not physical. And they become sick of depression. And there are those that even die from that. Because it is something spiritual. It is the soul, it is the spirit, it is the person, not the physical aspect, aspect that became ill, but the mental. And sometimes it is more painful mental than that physical aspect. Because the physical aspect, you can take a pill or a shot or medication and the pain is removed. But the spiritual aspect, who can remove that pain? When someone says, oh, I have a pain in my heart, my soul hurts, I have a deep sadness, I feel bitterness, there's nothing, there's no medication for that type of sadness or pain. So, if it is so that we feel this, even more so when it states that when the person dies, their body, let's say the physical body dies, but their personality, their conscience, their soul, the spirit continues living. That continues normal as normal. 
And there then is where there will be a torment. And, and that will be felt, that torment. Just as when we are sad for something that happens or a loved one passes away, there that sadness evolves. And there, you see, it's not physical. It's not physical pain. But there you are sad because a loved one passed away. You feel pain and you cry and you're sad and there's no medication and no one can comfort you because there's a deep pain in your being and you don't even understand it. And you say there's such a deep pain inside me for this loss. This is what we're going to feel later that or we're going to feel joy, happiness, peace with God. Or we're going to feel the torment of eternal flames and eternal fire that as well will be burning our conscience or the spirit or that deep within this. It is the same that we feel here that we do not have an explanation or there's any medication for. That is what we're going to live in eternity after death. In the book of the prophets, it states, that when a person dies, it says the worm never dies. When it speaks that the worm never dies, it speaks of their conscience, their personality, that that never dies. The physical body dies, the flesh, and it corrupts and becomes dust or whichever. But the personality, the person themselves continue living. And it is so how when the rich man and Lazarus were in that place of torment. It is a place where there was great fire. And this is why the Lord made the physical fire. And when we get burned or we are close, close to the flames, that flame of fire, it hurts. In that same way, the Lord, that is a fire as well. Maybe not physical. But it is spiritual and it burns in the same way as the physical here. And you feel and it suffers. And this rich man with Lazarus, he felt that pain of the flames. And this is why he says to Abraham, why don't you send Lazarus to bring him water so that he can feel refreshed? Even that conscience he had, he knew that the water was to feel refreshed. Because there you do not lose the notion of things. There is to continue living without this physical body, but you continue living as normal. And this is why the Lord to us, he is showing us the path and he is showing us that we continue this righteous path, that we obey, that we believe, that we turn away from evil. For one day we are going to be in eternity and we're going to live as normal. And he wants for us not to perish and suffer, to live the torments that cause that are caused from sin and disobedience of the Lord. So the Lord wants for us to rejoice for he gives all these examples in the physical of this world. He gave everything so we can experiment what it is to suffer rejoice and feel happy what is to cry and laugh what it is to have a torment of fire all this the Lord gave physically so that we would know if the Lord would have not made fire physically 
And for the Bible to say you will be tormented by fire and flame, we would not understand what that is. What is that? I don't know. But now we do. We know the flame, the fire as well. It will be there the same, all spiritual, but the feeling will be worse. Just as we feel here in the flesh, we feel pain there as well. That pain will be felt. This is a torment that the Lord wants for us not to perish and that the Lord wants for us to know that path so we will not be suffering these consequences. The sister speaks as well that there are many people that do not remember or don't worry about. They don't think of, they don't think about these things because they don't care about knowing God. But the Lord is interested in the people to know his path. The Lord wants for the people to know his word, his doctrine. And this is why the Lord to us, he has sent us and he has placed us to be that voice for all those people. So we, instead of observing, better yet speak, every time we have the opportunity to speak to the people and to say to them, that I attend a place where there is joy, where there is happiness, where the Lord does miracles. In that way is that we can evangelize. Do not say, oh, I'm in the true church and you're in the false one. No, don't say that. Oh, I am walking in the path of truth and I'm going with God and you're going to hell. You're going to torment. Don't say that to the people. Say, I am going to a place where I feel so happy because God manifests himself and he does miracles and healings. Many people who are sick go and God heals them. He gives peace and joy. You say that to your neighbors and friends, family members, those that are close or your coworkers or other students. You say that and they are there with that intrigue and they're curious and they'll say, what does this person say? What do they mean? Oh, that they're happy, that it's beautiful, that it's glorious that God does miracles. Oh, I have a family member that's sick. I'm going to go and see if he heals my family member. So for whatever reason, they come to church, but we have to open our lips and speak. And that is a way to evangelize. Do you think it's difficult to evangelize? No, it's not difficult for you don't have to speak of the Bible or the doctrine or theology or theories. Simply say, I go to a church where God does miracles. And there you feel peace and joy. That's what I feel. I invite you. I invite you to go. How difficult it is to evangelize. It's not. So speak. Talk. Let us not be timid or selfish. Or don't be ashamed of speaking of the Lord. Do not be ashamed of speaking of God. Yes, continue. The second part of the question is, we know that the Lord always speaks through symbolisms. What does the Lord mean when he mentions fire? Since we see many different examples, when Moses yes. finds the bush on fire, when the Lord Jesus Christ would go baptized with the baptism with fire. And also in Revelation, it speaks about the lake of crystal of fire. and fire. So what, with what logic? Yes. Because there are two paths. The path of happiness, the path of being with the Lord, living with the Lord in eternity, and the other path, that of fire, of the eternal fire, this. This is why the Bible says that the Lord is love, but he is also consuming fire. 
Those are the two paths. The Lord is love for those who trust in him. Those that are simple and modest who accept the word of the Lord. But the Lord is consuming fire to the unbelieving, the sinner, he that becomes an enemy of the Lord. So the Lord then is consuming fire for him. And when this person dies, he goes to the fire. This is why the Lord speaks of fire. And when the Bible mentions a fire, the people cannot be close because they feel they're burning. They can burn. Very well. The two paths the Lord shows. Very well. Yes. My other question. We see that during the time of the prophet Elijah, there were many false prophets, and by his hand, 450 false prophets died. We find that to be a very harsh punishment, but it's what the law of antiquity required. My question is, nowadays we hear about the prophecy of the flesh, and my question is, I don't have the privilege of serving the Lord, but that gives me a sort of fear and respect, knowing that God would punish with death for being a false prophet. Mm. My question is, nowadays, what would be that reprimand, or is it that the people who prophesy of the flesh don't they don't realize that they're doing it or they do how do we avoid it i know that by walking righteously god is going to back you i see many brothers and sisters who serve the lord with the spiritual gift of prophecy and the prophecies are fulfilled so quickly it's happened to me where i received those prophecies but i also have received prophecy of the flesh so for one when you begin to serve the lord how can i keep myself from this or is that something that I can't keep myself from because I'm thinking that God will simply use me and I won't even know, or he will punish me afterwards? Is there a reprimand for those who serve the Lord who aren't walking righteously or no? Well, it is very complex, this situation. In the antiquity, there were false prophets in the Apostle Peter so said. The Apostle Peter said, just as in the antiquity there were false prophets, Today as well, there will rise up false teachers, false preachers. Well, many of those that are false will rise up to distort the path of righteousness, of the perfect gospel, that as well, it will occur the same. And it will occur or does occur because the devil is there, there working, doing evil acts. The devil is enticing the people to sin. So the people will be disobedient. So the people will live restrained in bondage. The devil works. This struggle that we have with the enemy is normal. For the apostle Paul revealed by the Lord, the, Leo, the Lord reveals that constantly, consistently, we are struggling against that power of evil. And that battle that we have is no longer with mankind as in the antiquity where the people of Israel battled with another nation to acquire lands or to have power or to want to govern a nation. And there were battles and they fought. The people fought against another. Now in the gospel of the Lord, there would be no longer these battles, but it would be spiritual. And the battle is against the enemy our enemy who is there always wanting to influence every man and woman 
so that this man and woman do not do the will of God, so that they cannot submit to the Lord, and that they fall in sin. And when this person allows themselves to be controlled because the devil placed traps, temptations, placed weaknesses, and the person allows themselves to be controlled by these weaknesses, governed by these traps and temptations that the devil places in many ways in their daily life, that person doesn't reason, can't pray, they do not read or call upon the Lord, they do not want to please the Lord, they simply want to please themselves, please other persons. This is what the devil places upon that person. They fall in the trap. They begin to fail before the Lord. They begin to sin. So therefore, what does the Lord do? He moves away from them. He turns away from them. So he leaves them alone. So the person begins to make mistakes. And yes, within the church, in the congregation, we are always aware, attentive, that the people who receive the spiritual gifts, those that say they receive the spiritual gifts, we have been attentive and aware. We teach the preachers, the pastors to be observant because the enemy, the devil, can intervene in the congregation and take a person to make them say false and lies. As the sister says, prophecy in the flesh. We say prophecy in the flesh, but it's not truly prophecy in the flesh. It is the enemy is using that person because we do not know why is it that the person, man or woman has fallen in sin. They have not repented. They're stubborn, arrogant, rebellious. They have not truly given their heart over to the Lord. So the devil is there involving the, wrapped in their life. The person is suffering and suffering who is receiving a false revelation or prophecy. That is the task in the church, the task of perfection, the task of the pastors, the leaders, those that prophesy as well to help one another. They ask the Lord to give that discernment whom the devil uses, whom the devil has made them fall in the trap to tell this person, react, be careful. Look, you're making mistakes. Look, the prophecy is not correct. What is happening? What is occurring? Are you turning away from the Lord? You're not fulfilling before the Lord. Better yet, look at yourself. Ask the Lord to help you. Do not prophesy for now. Look at yourself and see what's happening in your life. Are you being rebellious? Are you sinning? Have you allowed the devil to trick you? Have you fallen in the traps? Examine yourself. All these things can happen. This is this constant struggle. This is why the Lord said in the church, he has placed apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers to perfect it. To perfect what? To perfect what is imperfect because we all are not perfect. And since there is much imperfection in the spiritual life of each believer, the gifts and the persons whom the Lord places in the church is to teach, correct, to reproach, to pray for these persons, to discern that they not fall in these mistakes, that they not be taken by the devil because the devil can make them fall in these traps, that they have false visions, false dreams, or false prophecies.
And that is the task constantly that we have to do in the church. It is a task that we have to pray about, be close to God, and win the mercy of God so that he may support us and we can discover and discern whom is living correctly, who is not, who is living incorrectly, reproach these false prophecies to protect the believers. So, brothers and sisters, you can see the task that needs to be done in the church. And the task is not only for the preacher or the pastor, but the believers, those that have the spiritual gifts. They as well have that obligation to watch over the believers, to watch for the souls, and to care for one another. Because the flesh is weak. And when a revelation of God comes and says, Lord, is this from you or is it my flesh? Or am I too emotional? Or I'm so emotional that I allowed my emotions to take over and my flesh is working. Lord, is it you or is it I? So to be sincere, we have to be sincere and we have to be honest and say to the Lord always, is it you, Lord, that is speaking, giving me this revelation or is it my emotions? Or let it not be the devil who is here placing tricks, revealing what it shouldn't be or speak what I shouldn't. So Lord, guard us. Guard us, because this is normal. It can happen as human beings that we are. But either way, the task that is being done in the church and the Lord helping us, all these things are discovered and seen, and we teach the person. We tell them, don't prophesy for a time. Wait, get yourself organized. And there we teach and the person themselves learn and the person themselves, if they're honest and say, yes, there were mistakes, I'm going to wait and I want to have of the Lord and I don't want to be used by the devil to go and deceive anyone. This occurs, but we do not need to be anguished for these things because it is more the manifestation of God than what the devil can do in the congregation. This church has been 45 plus years, and in 45 plus years, the devil has wanted to enter in the congregation many times to destroy spiritual lives, to form divisions, to have the people leave, to form their own groups in other places. The devil has been in the congregation giving false visions to a group of persons and telling them do this and that because it's a lie because this is not so and that group leaves and when they realize and open their eyes and they realize they were deceived that the devil tricked them and they return regretting and asking the lord for forgiveness because they realized the devil had tricked them the doctrine, the doctrine is very important. When there is doctrine, we do not let ourselves be tricked by the devil. So all of this, the doctrine, the teaching, the gifts, this all is what is united, is what perfecting each man and woman. When there are mistakes or errors, as the sister says in the church, they have prophesied, many things have been fulfilled, but there are are also things that are in the flesh, she says. Well, surely, perhaps, maybe not in the flesh, but the devil, because of his envy, they're intervening, wanting to break the faith of the people. But the sister is steadfast, and they're ready in the Lord. 
they are learning, learning as we all need to learn. We all need to learn from mistakes, mistakes we learn from them. So we continue the best path and always taken by the hand of the Lord. He will guard us and he will not allow for the devil to come and destroy us. I share with you, brothers and sisters, that many denominations, many that say they are Christian, many men and women rose to speak in tongues and prophesy, seeing visions and having dreams. And these persons rose up with these spiritual gifts. But the pastor who was leading, since he was incapable of giving the teaching or resolving these spiritual situations that the people were experiencing, he couldn't comprehend it, for he did not speak tongues or have prophecy or visions himself. But there were some believers who had received this. And they said, so what is it? And the pastor, you know what he did? You be quiet. Don't ever speak in tongues again. If you speak in tongues, I won't let you come back in the church. Because that is of the devil. Everyone, he said it was of the devil. You that prophesy, no, that's of the devil. But you know why, brothers and sisters? Because he, as a leader, did not have the doctrine or the capacity that was sufficient to manage that spiritual side. So it was very difficult for him, too difficult. So he decided to prohibit and say that they were crazy or demon-possessed. That's what he said of them. So the people were scared and said, oh, no, they're saying I'm crazy or I'm demon-possessed. No, but I had dreams, but I had prophecy. The Lord gave me a revelation. And they could not speak of it. This is why those denominations do not rejoice of the presence of the Holy Spirit for they are not capable of managing it, for it is something of God. It is the Lord who gives the capacity to the people and gives them the support and the authority so that they may guide and counsel and teach regarding these spiritual aspects that are so complex and difficult, brothers and sisters. For it is very difficult for a person to discern what is of God and of the devil. It is difficult. It is a task that only the Lord gives to a person. The Lord gives it, not a person who will know how to do these things. This is why the evangelist churches, they are admired. They admire us. And they say we're a phenomenon because they see that the Lord manifests in this place. How are you capable, they say? How can you handle these spiritual aspects? Because the spiritual is difficult, very difficult. But all is given by the Lord. The human capacity, the human knowledge cannot do so. Only God that supports and only the Lord that gives a discernment and the ability to recognize the devil in that precise moment. I thank the Lord. I thank God that he has allowed me to know the devil in many places in many places where the devil has wanted to enter the congregation to divide and deceive the people. Immediately I run and I fly there and I go and teach the people. For the Lord has given me the knowledge to know the devil and I know how he works. I know of the Lord and the devil has never deceived me. He has never tricked me because the devil, has, the Lord has taught me to recognize the devil. He has opened my eyes and the doctrine the Lord has given me. I discover the devil and I know it's the devil who wants to trick. So this 
and I teach all of those brothers and sisters, the preachers, those that collaborate, those prophesy. I teach them the doctrine and I say, learn to recognize the devil so that we won't be tricked by the enemy and we won't be taken. Our blessings won't be taken. This is very complex, but the Lord is with us and he will guard us from all these things. And if there is a person, as you say, there may be someone who prophesied in the flesh. Surely this person is living incorrectly and they are not organized before the Lord. And this is what happened. But if the person repents, the Lord rescues them and uses them, truly uses them as it should be. And the person themselves, when they realize they fell in a mistake, that person changes, repents in time. Hopefully no one is confused. Let us continue. Good evening, sister. Welcome. In the name of uh, my brothers and sisters here in the Church of Guadalajara, we thank God and you for being here. My question is in Matthew chapter 11, from 1 to 6, and in 6 is where my question is, but I will read. Matthew chapter 11. Yes, sister. Yes. Which verse? From 1 to 6. Yes. John the Baptist sends messengers to Jesus. Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. My question is referring to Verse 6, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Could you please clarify this for me? Very well. In John, he was in prison and he had preached regarding Christ. He had prophesied of the Lord Christ. Look how curious, brothers and sisters, the following. John preached that following him would come the Savior, the Lord, would come a person who was superior, that he could not tie the sandals of his feet, and that he would baptize with fire to be prepared. All of this taught John. Always taught to repent. Repent, he taught. After me comes the Savior, the King. And then when they take John to prison, because they took him to prison, there in prison, he was put to death, John. There then he began to reflect, reflect and think. And there he had time to reflect and say, well, then Jesus of Nazareth, is it he? Imagine he had the doubt. John doubted. He had the doubt. And he said, well, who is he? Is he the Messiah? Or after him comes another? And this is why he sent his disciple to ask the Lord Jesus if it was he that was to come or we had to wait another. Jesus of Nazareth. 
And there are those that have read and say, why is it a contradiction that after John was preaching Jesus Christ, why is it now he's asking if it was he that is coming or should we wait for another? What happens, brothers and sisters, is that John was prophesying all that he spoke of the Lord Jesus was by revelation of God and when it is by revelation of God he himself didn't realize what he was prophesying or saying of the Lord Jesus but simply when John was in prison since he was in the flesh it was John himself he was not taken by the Spirit of God it was simply as a human being there in prison is when he begins to reflect and say, is it him or is it not? And when he asked the Lord Jesus, since he knew, the Lord Jesus knew that John had read the scriptures that he had read in the prophets. When it says in Isaiah, when it says that when the counselor, the Messiah, that when that messenger of God, that the blind would see, that the deaf would hear, that the lame would walk, that all of the sick would be healed, that the people would be comforted. All of this, the prophet Isaiah states, John had read and knew the doctrine. This is why the Lord, when he sent the answer, he does not say, go and tell John, yes, I am. No, look at the answer. Go and tell John, the blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Tell that to John. Well, John would understand the message because he had read in Isaiah, the messenger would do all these miracles. For he that understands, I don't know if you understand that, he that understands that is sufficient with that message. The Lord didn't say, yes, tell John it's me. Yes, I am the savior of the world. No. He said, with pure doctrine, with the Bible, with what he read in Isaiah, that is sufficient. And John understood that, yes, it was he that was to come. So, yes, his life was taken, but he died with the Lord and died for God and lives for God. In verse 6, and the Lord, he says to the disciples, tell John, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me in his spiritual life for believing in me because there were many of those who were unbelieving the unbelieving just as the Pharisees the Pharisees were offended with Jesus Christ or the Lord Christ was a stumbling stone for the Pharisees because they did not want to believe in the Lord and the Pharisees were those that preached the law of Moses. And this is why the Lord says, Tell John that blessed is he, the man or woman who believe in me and who were not offended because of me, for they are believing in the truth. It was this. Very well, let's continue. Sister, good evening. It's a pleasure to have you here. I have a question if you'd allow me. Yes, brother. My question is in Isaiah 66 from verse 6 through 9. Isaiah 66, verse 6 through 9. You may read, brother. It reads, The sound of noise from the city, a voice from the temple, the voice of the Lord, who fully repays his enemies. Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. Who has heard such a thing? 
Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. Shall I bring to the time of birth and not cause delivery? Says the Lord, shall I who cause delivery shut up the womb? Says your God. Sister, could you please explain these verses? It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. These verses speak of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, speak of the church of Christ. And let us reread, let us speak once more in verse 6, where the brother read, the sound of noise from the city, a voice from the temple, the voice of the Lord, who fully repays his enemies, his enemies who were the Israelites, the Jews, who do not believe in the Lord. And it continues. Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child who has heard such a thing, who has seen such things. Zion, which was in church, was in labor. She gave birth to her children or the children of the church, the children of Zion, are the children of Jesus Christ. And Zion was in labor and gave birth to children, the believers of Christ. Verse 9, the Lord says, Shall I bring to the time of birth and not cause delivery? Meaning that if the Lord is who allow for the women to become pregnant and and have children that the Lord as well at the same would have his church have many believers and it says that Zion the church will have many children has had children will continue to have children the church and that is the believers this is why it says that when we believe in the Lord for the first time we are born again the Bible states we are born again because we have a life with the Lord. So we are born spiritually once again. This is what it states, that, that the Lord has a nation be born, for he has power to have it born. What do I do? Shall I have the womb be shut up? Will I stop the womb, the Lord says? Rejoice with Jerusalem, which is the church, and be glad with her, all you who love her, the church of Christ. Rejoice for her with joy, all you who mourn for her, because they were sad, very sad, those who were believing in the Lord during that time, sad of seeing the people of Israel, their disobedience, their hardness of heart, and the punishment the Lord had given them had destroyed through that king of Babylon. So they were very sad, that remnant, those chosen of God, that all had ended, all was destroyed. The Lord said, no, it's not ended, it was not destroyed, don't worry. You feel you're just a few, you're just a small number, don't worry that a new nation will be born, a great nation. Don't be anguished. So he says, for they to be rejoiced, all you who mourn for the church or for Zion so that you may feed and be satisfied for the consolation of her bosom, that you may drink deeply and be delighted with the abundance of her glory, the glory of the church. For the Lord Jesus was who edified his church, created it, and it began with the 12 apostles. And then the Lord says that with the people of many nations, 
it will be formed the church of the Lord. And this is why it is fulfilled where it states that did he not have power to create or make a nation be born? And it was speaking in the spiritual aspect, in the figurative sense, that the nation is the church of Christ and that we are born again when we believe in the Lord. Or we were born again when we believed in the Lord. And the people that will come and believe are born again. But in a spiritual life, they don't, again, have to come from the womb physically, but spiritually. This is what the Lord speaks of, of that prosperity of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That they not worry those that saw the destruction of the people of Israel. Because the Lord would raise up his church and is so fulfilled with the Lord Christ when he came to preach. Let us continue. Good afternoon, sister. I have two questions and I would like to read in Matthew chapter 8, verse 14. Matthew chapter 8, 14. Yes, you may read. Matthew 8, 14. It reads, Now, when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and served them. In, in this biblical passage, it speaks about a fever, and it says that Jesus touched Peter's mother-in-law, and the fever left her. Does this mean that it was an evil spirit that was in yes, her at that time? Yes, it was the spirit of fever. So, based on that, during this time of year, when it's cold and many people get sick from certain illnesses... A cold. There exactly. are physical fevers in the body with a cold because of the weather. But there's also spirits of illness. And this is where, since we do not know if the person has a spirit of illness or it's a physical illness, we pray either way to the Lord and ask the Lord, and the Lord does a miracle. Whether it be a spirit or physical, the Lord does a miracle, delivers, and heals. Let us continue. Welcome, sister, to the church in Guadalajara. We love you in the Lord. My question is in Romans chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. Romans 2, verse 1 through 5. Yes, brother, you may read. Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Sister, could you please go a bit more in depth in these verses? Thank you and may God continue blessing you. Very well. This chapter 2 is the answer of chapter 1. So we would have to read from chapter 1, we would have to read from verse... Well, all of the chapter practically from verse 18, from ver chapter 1, Paul is retelling a story of the fault of man or of mankind since Adam. 
And he is retelling the story of what man did, what mankind did since Adam until the day of the gospel, until the time the gospel is being preached. And he shares that story that man turned away from the Lord, that man forgot God. And they began to have beliefs and adore idols and do many things that were wicked and perverse, corrupting their spiritual life, corrupting their human dignity, their morals, and committing grave sins until the day the Lord came to preach the gospel when the Lord begins to preach the path of righteousness, the path of repentance, that the people repent and look for God, that they remember God, and they begin to look for the Lord. That is what Paul is sharing here. And he is stating that mankind began to sin and sin and fallen so much sin that here in verse 29, 129, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. It says, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Those who practice all these types of sin. And in, it, in chapter 2, now verse 1, therefore, he says, therefore, you are inexcusable, O man. Whoever you are, whoever you are, you who judge. So it says they were there constantly judging each other, judging and condemning during that time in the law of Moses. They were judged and condemned. Oh, that you were caught in the moment of adultery. It says, oh, the law of Moses states that those that are in adultery, they have to be stoned. And this is why they said to the Lord, oh, this woman has to be stoned for she was caught in the moment of adultery. And the Lord Jesus, since he knew they were all falling in sin, they all were committing sin. The Lord said, well, he that does not have sin cast the first stone because Moses says that you have to stone her. But he that does not have a sin do so. And since they all had sins, they all left. This is what was happening. This is why Paul says, why do you judge? If you are sinning and you are judging another and you are condemning them. But you, why don't you repent from your sins that you're doing? This is what it says in chapter 2, verse 1. But therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are, who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. So this chapter 2 is the answer, the response to chapter 1. What man did, the wickedness, all living in sin. But when they saw another committing sin, they judged them and condemned them but they themselves did not look at what they were doing. 
Paul was teaching them that in the law of Moses, in that way, the people lived, judging each other and all falling in sin. But then later, Paul says, believe in the gospel, believe in the gospel, and you will see how the Lord will deliver you. He will forgive your sins, and he will remove that sinful tendency, and you will live in holiness. And there, then, you will not need to judge each other, because all will live in holiness. Because the gospel, this is what it offers, holiness, perfection, happiness, eternal life. This is what Paul later teaches after this. Very well. Let us continue. Sister, welcome. Sister Mary Luisa, thank you for your visit. It's a privilege to have you here this evening because God heard us and brought you back to Guadalajara. Sister, if you allow me, I want to ask a personal yes, question. Sister Mary Luisa, how does Mary Luisa Piraquive, the woman, the wife, the mother, the friend, the sister, the spiritual mother, have the strength, the calmness, in order to have everything organized and to have that ability to resolve any adversity that may present itself and to have that backing of God to speak of any topic, drugs, sexuality, marriage. I know that God loves you and helps you and we always see you as a tower of strength. But Sister Mary Luisa, God allows you to cry? Or is that a feeling that goes somewhere else because we always see you strong? The Lord makes me cry when I pray. The sister was lacking. The sister missed a grandmother of nine <laughs> grandchildren. Yes. When I read the Bible, when I'm alone, I read to pray to the Lord, and I read a verse, and I read with all of my heart. So then I cry. I cry of emotion. I cry of reflecting upon what I read. And I speak to the Lord. I'm there speaking to the Lord of what I read. I'm there talking to the Lord as if he was there speaking with me, having a conversation with me. This is when I cry. The rest, not even in a funeral do I cry. Yes, not, no. I don't want, I don't feel like crying. It is this, the Lord, the Lord who truly touches one and softens you. The Lord softens you. I have seen many men and asked for prophecy and there they are crying. And the men who are strong, but the Lord softens them. And the Lord makes them cry. That is beautiful. Let it be the Lord. And then that be the problems of your life or the tribulation or the devil. None of that that makes us suffer or cry. The prayer, the prayer. There have been many problems and difficulties in these 45 plus years that the church has existed. There have been many persecutions, threats, threats of kidnapping, threats of death, threats of so many things, much persecution, slander, and that has never made me cry. Never have I cried about that. But I pray to the Lord and I share with him. I said, Lord, look at what is happening. Look at what occurs. And he says, don't worry. 
I am not going to allow for them to do this or that. I'm not going to allow the other. I'm going to guard you. I'm going to protect you all. I'm going to guard my children. I'm going to guard the church. Don't worry. The Lord tells me. So why am I going to cry? Why would I cry if the Lord just made me a promise not to worry about it? So those that surround me, I say, don't worry. We have to pray. The Lord says nothing is going to happen. Nothing is going to occur. There's not going to be any danger. None of those things. In everything, I am praying to the Lord. For everything, I am praying. And he speaks to me. Since God speaks to me and makes me promises, I don't need to cry. So that is what makes me strong. That the Lord fulfills. The Lord fulfills all that I speak to him, that I ask of him, that guard us and protect us of the wickedness that the devil wants to do. I say to the Lord and the Lord says, don't worry, I'm going to give you victory. I'm going to give the triumph and it is so. The Lord gives triumphs and victories and blesses us. So I don't need to cry because the devil threatened me or the devil comes to say things. No. I cry with the Lord. Yes, I do cry with the Lord because when I read the Bible or when the Lord makes me a promise that I feel I'm not worthy of, I say, oh, Lord, I'm not worthy. Then I cry of emotion. I cry for the Lord softens me. But for the rest, I don't cry. Nothing. So I thank the Lord and the brothers and sisters, those that are close, I teach them to trust in the Lord. The pastors and the preachers, I always teach trust in the Lord and teach the believer that you have to trust in God and that the day there's a tribulation or a problem or a difficulty, kneel down and call upon the Lord, pray to the Lord that the Lord will hear you. The Lord will hear you. Get used to the Lord hearing you and that the Lord bless you instead of running to the neighbor to give me advice or tell me what I'm going to do. No, nothing not your neighbor the support is our lord and that's it in that moment of difficulty i have no one to say anything come and pray for me or prophesy not even that pray and ask the lord speak to the lord and the lord immediately will enter to give the answer it is this we have to depend on the lord very well thank you sister Yes. Good evening, Sister Mary Luisa. Welcome to Guadalajara. The Church of Guadalajara is very happy to have you here, to have your presence here. It's been so many years. We've been waiting for you. It's another promise that the Lord has fulfilled. Sister Mary Luisa, I have a personal question, if you will allow me to ask. When I speak about my church, well, I say my church because it's the place where I have found true peace where the Lord has uh, spoken to me and has changed my life. When I speak about this to the people that I invite, I know I never say that I'm in the true church because of doctrine. Yes, let's say for being modest, to not offend anyone. Yes, exactly. I know that I'm in the true church because I feel it, because the Lord has shown it to me. Yes. But when I speak to these people and I say that in my church we have the spiritual gifts, the ones that we see in the Bible, just as they are yes. written, people say that in their church they also have that. They also have prophecy. And so, sister, that's where I doubt. Are those spiritual gifts No, backed? don't worry. Don't worry. The people say that, but that's a lie. Because the gifts they speak of are that titles that have been given to the people. They say, oh, I'm going to give you the title of apostle. I'm going to give you the title of a prophet. I'm going to give you the title of a teacher. But truly, that is a lie because that's not given by God. But 
by the persons themselves, the directors of the church. They give these titles to keep the people there. So that is a lie. This is the spiritual gifts. That is only that we are the ones that rejoice of these blessings. I say this because I have been practically around the world. I know many denominations. I know many pastors, leaders, religious leaders that have come to our church that I've had communication with them. They ask and they say, why and how is the church? How do you run it? How do you manage it? Amazed. How am I going to govern a bunch of preachers? And this, they say this to me, the leaders. And in the church, they don't have that. And they say, how does our church as well have the same? I said, easy, be sincere with God. Well, you have to be sincere with God and not be ambitious or greedy because the greed for money destroys everything. So since they only think about money, how is the Lord going to give them the spiritual? He does not give it because this is about being sincere and looking for the Lord without greed or want because that cannot exist. The greed for money or the wanting, the things cannot exist for the Lord then removes the support. The Lord teaches them, be sincere, be honest, look for the Lord without your own material interest, without thinking of money, look for the Lord and you will see the Lord will give. That's what I tell them because there are many that ask me and say, give me the formula. The formula is that sincerity and righteousness before the Lord so that the Lord will be the one that governs and manages the church. So you don't worry about that because that's not true. And simply say, well, I'm very happy in my church. The Lord does so many miracles and that's all. And these persons simply what they have is a pride and a vanity of where they are. It's that. So don't pay attention and don't even mention the subject again. Better yet, say, evangelize someone else. Say, oh, in my church, God does miracles. In my church, God speaks and makes people happy. So I invite you, because these persons, one day, they will have a great tribulation or a problem or a sadness, a disappointment, and they're going to tell you about it. And you're going to say, why don't you come to my church? And God will give you the happiness and speak to you. Of course, what happened why they treat you that way in the church, why you now feel disappointed, something. So come to my church. And there God gives you advice and counsels, comforts, gives peace and joy. That is the way that we speak to the people. Yes. Yes. Good evening, sister. Welcome to the Church of Guadalajara. I'm a bit nervous because I feel very excited. I have two questions, one in the Bible and one that is personal. Yes. The question is in Jeremiah 17, verse 5. Jeremiah 17, verse 5. Yes, you may read, sister. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. Here it speaks of Judah, let us remember the people of Israel were formed of 12 tribes. The tribe of Levi and the rest of the 11 tribes, Judah and the tribes of Israel. The tribe of Judah, the Lord had chosen for God, so there would be Jerusalem, the physical, and that there would be representing the church of our Lord, Jerusalem physically there in Judah which is what represented the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
the Lord had a preference for the tribe of Judah before the ten tribes of Israel. And the Lord was giving a reproach to the people, for they had turned back, they had turned to idolatry, to sin, to the beliefs of traditions, and they had forgotten God, and they began to sin and forgot the Lord as a people that was of the Lord. So the Lord, here in verse 7, 17, 1, the sin of Judah is written with a pin of iron, with the point of a diamond, it is engraved on the tablet of their heart, and on the horns of your altars. So the Lord states that Judah had sinned. The Lord had chosen Judah as his special tribe where would come the church, where come would come Jesus Christ. And truly the Lord Jesus came from this tribe. But they were sinning, greatly sinning. But the Lord said, since I gave that oath to Abraham that I would raise a church, I have to forgive this group of persons and continue forward with the plan of salvation. They had sinned, they had turned away from God, but the Lord forgives because of his word and his oath, because the Lord Christ had to come. So this is why the Lord is giving a reproach regarding the prophet Jeremiah through him. Verse 2, while their children remember, the children of Judah, remember their altars and their wooden images by the green trees on the high hills, all my mountain in the field, I will give as plunder your wealth, all your treasures, as your high places of sin within all your borders. Stating that because you have become idolaters, I am going to send the neighboring nations to come and destroy you with their armies. And four, and you, even yourself, shall let go of your heritage, which I gave you, and I will cause you to serve your enemies in the land which you do not know. So speaking that they would be spread across the nations, they would not have their own land, but that they would roam the nations, and they would live these of Judah. So they would serve their enemies in a land they did not know. For you have kindled a fire in my anger, which shall burn forever. Verse 5, thus says the Lord. He says, cursed is the man who trusts in man for having believed the leaders, all of those that govern of Judah, those that went towards idolatry, that they went and forgot of God. And they induced the people to be idolaters and to sin against God because the leaders, the governor, those in charge were idolaters and sinners. And the people as well were enticed to do the same. And all the people followed their leaders, turning themselves away from God. And this is why the Lord says, cursed is the man who trusts in man. Cursed for having trusted in the leaders and the princes and the governors and the elders and the priests of Israel who enticed you into the path of evil and idolatry and sin. So you trusted in your princes instead of having trusted in the law of Moses, instead of having trusted in the word that God had given, which was the law, the law of Moses. They did not believe, but they believed their leaders or governors. And since they followed the path of being lost, 
they were lost. This is why he says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited, meaning things will go very bad for them for having turned away from the path of the Lord. Instead of believing in God, they believed in the elders and the leaders. And this is why he says that they are cursed, a man who trusts in man. For they distorted their path and said, look, you have to do this or that, adore these idols, adore these statues, adore the dead, the spirits, adore these demons, because this is what gives us better profit. This is what they said. So they all went towards trusting these leaders and the powerful and their chief or in their bosses. This is where it says that they're cursed for trusting. This is what it refers to. Today, we do not know. Today, surely, the Lord will tell us, do not trust in man, because there are those that say to you, I know much, I know of the Lord, I have of God, I have revelations, and let me come and teach you. And the Lord will say, do not trust in what a man will teach you. Have doctrine in your heart. Read the Bible. Learn the doctrine. Have the doctrine in your heart. Live a righteous life, holy life, a life of good testimony, and you will be a perfect man. And no one can deceive you. No one will trick you. Do not believe what others say. Do not believe that. Believe in what the Lord tells you. Surely the Lord will tell us this today. And let it so be. Let it be that we allow ourselves to be guided by God, guided by the Lord, and not by the schemes of the vain men who do not have of God. It is this. Let us rise, brothers and sisters. Let us sing to our Lord. Let us sing to the Lord a chorus. And then let us pray to our Lord, praying and speaking to the Lord above all our needs, our petitions, desires of the heart, our illnesses, witchcraft, sorceries, and all of these types of things, problems, conflicts, our disappointments, problems in the family, everything before the presence of God, debts, enemies, dangers, whatever it might be, place it before the presence of the Lord, that God is with us. The Lord is watching and hearing us, and he knows the need of each one, but he likes for us to pray and place it before his presence, all our needs. Let us sing to the Lord. Jesus loosens the bonds of sin. Jesus loosens the bonds of sin. And we live with him secure. How could I live without my Jesus by my side? When he's the highest motive I have in my life. He saved me from the law of sin and death and hell. How could I live without my Jesus by my side? Glory to the Lord, blessed Lord. Blessed is the Lord. Lord Father, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Holy King, just Lord, God of mercy, clement, blessed and exalted is your name forevermore, for all generations, 
the worship be for you, O Lord, the glory for you, the honor for you. Blessed Lord, you that live and reign in our hearts, in our lives. You are the owner of the creation, the owner and the doer of the universe. To you we worship in this moment, to you we call upon in this moment, to you we speak in this moment with our heart, with our soul, with our being. We speak to you, O Lord, eternal God. O Lord, holy is your name. Hear, O Lord, our prayer. Hear our pleas. Hear our calling. Hear, O Lord, our prayers. Look, O Lord, at our needs. Look, O Lord, the conflict, the problems, the difficulties, and all, Lord, that invades in sadness, the lack of comfort in the heart of many. Lord, we ask that let it be you teaching us to speak to you, to have a dialogue, to express ourselves before your presence, to pray, my Lord, to call upon you wisely with wise words so that in this same way you may hear us, so that in this same way you may deliver us, heal us, and removing, O oh Lord, all illness from our bodies, blessings, and all the great blessings be placed in the heart of man and in the heart of every woman that call upon you, that searches for you, that is trusting in you, that prepare themselves the heart, that prepare the hearts to serve the eternal and just God, that prepare the hearts to receive the blessing from God, to receive the healing, the healing in the body, the healing in the soul, the healing in the spirit, that think with thoughts of wisdom, that have thoughts of wisdom, and that they not have doubts, fears, that they continue forward, that they prepare to serve, that they prepare to work in the work of evangelization, that it be fulfilled the purpose that many have formed of doing the will of the Heavenly Father. Blessed Lord, I thank you, Father, for fulfilling the wants of the heart, for fulfilling, oh Lord, what the people ask, the healing in their bodies, removing pains, removing, oh Lord, the curses, the spells, the witchcraft, removing all evil, removing all conflict, fixing and resolving the problems, removing, O oh Lord, the distances between many and giving comfort, giving counsel. I say that all shall receive the blessing from on high. The power from on high will descend and each one shall receive the power from on high. It will be removed the affliction and the sadness. We remove the suffering, the pain, and there will be better days, new days, days of prosperity, days of victory. It will be removed the sadness and pain. Days of blessings and changes come, the days of prosperity, days of much victory. 
the sufferings will be removed and the illnesses will disappear and better days come. The calm, the tranquility and the peace comes to all of those who serve, continue forward to serve with joy, continue steadfast in this path, in this path of faith. Material blessings I shall give, spiritual blessings I will be granting for many. Many changes come, much growth and prosperity comes. They will be removing the confusion. I will remove confusion and the joy and the peace comes. Victory comes. Great blessings. Great blessings I have given. Great blessings I shall give. Thank you, blessed Father. Thank you, O Lord. Look at the petitions and the wants of the heart. Thank you, Father. We thank you, O Lord. Thank you for your love and your blessings. Thank you for your mercy, for your word and for your glorious promises. Thank you, my Father. In the glorious name of Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, thank you, Lord, for blessing your children, for giving them joy, happiness, peace, joy. Thank you for giving peace and tranquility. Thank you for removing the illnesses. Thank you, you shall fulfill giving your healing hand upon the eyes, healing the eyes, heal them, O Lord. Let it be you healing, let it be you healing the eyes. Holy Father, Holy Father, for you there is nothing impossible. For you there is nothing impossible, my Lord. I ask in the name of Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, my Lord. It is time for us to wake up from our slumber. Let us spread the gospel to those who are burdened. Let us tell to every nation that the mighty good Jesus is the Lord. Who will go, who will go, who will spread the news of peace? Who will go, who will go, tidings of love and release? In the vineyard there are very few servants. Who will go to his vineyard, who will go? I will go, I will go, I will spread the news of peace. I will go, I will go, to proclaim there is release in the vineyard you servants I will go to his vineyard I will go it is time for us to wake up from our slumber let us spread the gospel to those who are burdened let us tell to every nation that the mighty good Jesus is the Lord who will go who will go who spread the news of peace who will go who will go tidings of love and release in the vineyard there are very few servants who will go to his vineyard who will go I will go, I will go, I will spread the news of peace. I will go, I will go, to proclaim there is release. In the vineyard there are very few servants. I will go to his vineyard, I will go. Glory be to the Lord. Thank you, Holy Father. Thank you, eternal and powerful Lord. In the glorious name of Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, we thank you, Lord, for the blessings you have given, for you have descended today. Holy Lord, thank you. Well, thank you, brothers and sisters. Thank you. Until the next time that the Lord allows for me to return 
to be here with you. Thank you, and may God bless you. God bless you, brothers and sisters.